ESPN 690 and Action Sports Jacks presents Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau. We're going to have to show a little more patience than the year two pom-pom people. Casey Kurtz. Yo! Well, what are we doing, bro? Come on! And Aaron Schachter. I'm, I'm all in favor of these two showing their love and really celebrating their relationship. This is Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, and Aaron Schachter on Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio, ESPN 690. Brent Martineau, can I put you down for the Jacks? Yeah, you can put my house on the Jacks. Wow. Uh, though the three points is a little something. I'll take the, the house goes on the money line, okay? Okay. Uh, He's bet his house many a time before. If you're yeah. new here, he loses every time. Oh, wow. Not every time. He's lost but, a lot uh, of house. I've right. already guaranteed you the Jags are beating the Giants. <laughs> did it on Monday morning madness. Yeah, I did it on French yeah. Friends Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Did it again last night on Jaguars All Access. I'm doing it here this afternoon. Mm-hmm. The Jags will beat the Giants on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> He's got another house. Oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> where's Brent going to live? It's a Where's Brent going to live Monday on Brent and Frank. I, just, <laughs> I love, I bet the glee that that thing was put together with Casey Curtis. Listen, <laughs> you, know, you know Casey very well. So, you know, there are very few things that will earn a priority in Casey's to-do list. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I saw him with uh, very steadfast focus working on this clip today and, and uh, others, which I'm sure he'll get to. Gosh, man, I was wrong. I can't believe the Giants are 6-1. and one. How crazy is that? I, 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 I didn't back off it ever did, but I said the only way this doesn't come true is if the Jags jag more than the NFL NFLs. <laughs> and it did. It, it happened. It did, yeah. It happened. The Jags jack. Yeah, man. I mean, the Jags get 456 yards, score 17 points. They lose a foot. They lose the football going in the end zone. I mean, they take over the game right there. Doug Peterson doesn't want to kick field goals. Hates field goals. Hates really field hates goal it. kickers. If there's anybody that's ever hated a field goal kicker, it's Doug Peterson. And by the way, Vince Papali told us that. Yeah, he did. He told us. He did. He gave us the insight. My goodness. Never met a goalpost he liked. You know, I thought I was feeling a little bit better. Now I'm not sure. <laughs> in case he just threw you right back into the swamp of it, or was it I the just, game? Welcome I, to the show, boys. Gosh, I, I, even, I even told what uh, Two hours, 56 minutes to go. <laughs> I dropped. <laughs> after Monday morning madness this morning, I walked out of where I do the show from in the house uh, that I'm going to have to get yeah, rid of to now. sell now, yeah. And Steph's there, and she was, like, in the kitchen or somewhere, and I was like, what the bleep, Jags? I'm like, it's freaking... Mid to late October. Uh, we can't even get to November. We can't get to November. Yeah. That's all we wanted. What did I tell you when it was 2-1? and one? I said, hey, you know what Jags just did in that 2-1 and one win uh, to make it over the Chargers? They just gave us another month. I said, now get one or two more wins, and you get us another month. Another month. month. <laughs> <laughs> a distant memory. <laughs> Having one since? Yeah, man. On the bright side, we can start putting together the trade package they can get for this pick. Holy cow. I mean, Jags, are, they're picking, what, eighth overall today? No, sixth. Oh, sixth? Oh. I saw an eighth. Strength of schedule might have changed last night. Okay. After the game. Between six and eight. Because I saw six and then eight. But actually, they could, depending on how the things shake out, they're right in line for number, they're tied for the two-hole. <laughs> well, they do have somewhat of an easier schedule towards the back end of the There's year, There's nothing right? easy in Jacksonville. 
What the hell was this? It was Houston, Indianapolis with a 50-year-old quarterback. They just benched, they benched after him, he yeah. threw it 42 completions <laughs> against the Jaguars <sighs> in favor of Sam Ellinger for the rest of the way because they're sending Matt Ryan to a nursing home after he accomplished that. He's mobile. Uh, and the New York Giants and Daniel Jones over 300 yards? Always uh, slicing them up. Running all and over you're them. telling me that it gets easier? Slicing <laughs> It does not get any easier. Well, you got the Texans again. You know when it gets easier? Off. Like on January 10th. Is that locker clean out? Yes. That's when it gets easier. Uh, an NBA program by then. Holy cow. That's rough, man. It's unbelievable. We're breaking down the Florida Panthers. They can't win one game. Team. Can't win one of these out of the last three. One. That's the way the NFL works. That's why I put my house on it. They're supposed to. The officials even tried to help at the end. They did. They didn't help at some other times, but they tried to help. It's amazing. Just amazing. You know what else is amazing? What's that? How haven't they fired Chris Ballard in Indianapolis? Yeah, this guy's got a a light. Forget about the Jags. I'm mad at everybody else. Fire (laughs) Chris Ballard. Must have photos of uh, of the owner over there. I mean, what? How how do you miss this poorly? Dude spent fifty million on two quarterbacks that they've benched and got rid of. It was Philip Rivers. It was Carson Wentz, and now it's Matt Ryan. Did you say so, they were paying him twenty-seven million dollars? So they guaranteed. Yeah, they guaranteed all of this year's contract when they signed him, as well as half of next year's. So they they're on the hook for seventeen in March. Obviously, he'll be gone. But, yeah, they've, they've paid him a lot of money for Does 16. that change if they cut him before a certain date or something like that? I That part I don't know. I just know, like, what I've seen from, like, the tweets and stuff. And, and I don't know that you could really judge these guys for signing him to a guaranteed deal outside of the fact that he had liver spots and you're worried about whether he's going to make it towards the end of the season. But all these guys are getting guaranteed deals at the quarterback position these Which, days. Which, by the way, Phil Rivers worked. For sort of. To a degree with T.Y. Hilton. No, it team. didn't. They went to the playoffs. Okay. Did Playoff? they win? Did they win a game? It's worked better than these two. Yeah, but that's not what that was there for. Like, they have they have no playoff wins since this experience. Who gets the luxury of picking 42 quarterbacks? Dude, no playoff wins with, like, nine pro bowlers. Yeah. Like, talk about a good roster going nowhere. And, by the way, he just gave Quentin Nelson money, and Nelson hadn't really played that great this year overall. I think he's getting better. Their offensive line, they misjudged their whole offensive line, apparently. They have nobody on the outside other than Pittman. I mean, Pierce only when he plays the Jags. Right? They, I mean, he's, everybody was like, oh, the Colts, the Colts. Like last year, <laughs> last year, with like three games to go, everybody was like, Chris Ballard is the most amazing GM in the history of the game. They, they were just all over Ballard and Reich and the Colts. Now what? I mean, they are so lucky to have three wins this year. By the way, you should thank Matt Ryan for that. Because without him, Sam Ellinger wouldn't have won those games in the fourth quarter. Matt Ryan was all experienced at the end, and they got it done. Yeah. But, I mean, I just thought, Chris Ballard, I mean, what the heck? <laughs> this guy, how many quarterbacks can you try? They blamed Carson Wentz for everything. Who are they blaming now? Now they're blaming Matt I Ryan? I think it's like nine, the graphic that they put out. Quarterbacks. Since, since when, though? Since, since luck? luck? Since luck. Counting luck and then, like, Bursett and all these other guys. I mean, listen, I'm just going to be mad at everybody else. I want everybody else to suffer, too. Like, I get that way. Like, I don't want anybody to win in the NFL. Sounds very unbrent like No, I hate them all. I don't want anybody to win. All right. Tennessee's thriving. Don't let the people in the uh, Sunshine and Rainbows Club hear about this kind of stuff. 
oh, I, I just want everybody, like, especially New England, like, I just want them to lose, like, every game for the rest of their life so uh, everybody just, that gives me a hard time back home can feel the wrath. That's regular thing. Well, they do play the Bears tonight. Well, they're going to so win, like, 28-6, to six, so that won't be a problem because they'll find a way to win. Well, they are playing the Bears. And the Bears will find a way to lose. There you go. Like the Jags. Hey, at least we'll be in with the Bears fans. But seriously, we have to. Are you guys stunned at the Matt Ryan stuff? I know he's banged up a little bit. But I'm to shocked. say that he's done for the year, for the season, I'm shocked. And the only thing I can think of, and I don't know enough about Ellinger, is that you know, obviously, he's younger, so maybe he can run for his life faster. No, he can move. Right. He, he can, can move. move. No, well, I will say this: the, the the report out of there, like Ian Rapport and others say, Ellen, a lot of people like this guy. They want to get a look at him, and I guess they've been fielding like trade offers for him. Some people have called. And at times over the last couple of years. But you're throwing in the towel now for the whole season in the AFC South? That seems a bit drastic. Well, or they just think he's better. But what does that again? No, they do. I think they do. I don't think this is thrown in the towel. Yeah. I think this. they think if they're going to win, Ellinger gives them a better chance. Well, you have to tell on yourself pretty big time now if Matt mm-hmm. Ryan's not better than Sam Ellinger. So, so do you think it is, A, Ryan is now too old to be successful, B... The end, the new NFL is not a place where Matt Ryan can safely work or see a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Uh, probably a little bit of column A, column B, but I mean, I think this, I, I mean, listen, I'm not right about a lot of things. I'd say I just lost another house. Could you play that again, Casey? I missed but, that. <laughs> I mean, I could. But, but Casey, I was all over this one with Matt Ryan. I mean, I know we just had the, cr- the crazy game on, on, uh, against the Jacks, but this is what it. How did you not see this coming if you're Chris Ballard? Yeah. Wait, they didn't go get Jimmy Garoppolo? Instead, they chose Matt Ryan? Maybe they tried. I mean, a lot of teams probably tried, but then they saw Garoppolo was getting the shoulder surgery. They were like, we probably got a better shot with Matt Ryan under center. I don't know why nobody went for Taylor Heineke. Well, fine. I don't care. Go for somebody that could move in today's NFL. Yeah, they didn't do it. Like, And they didn't do it. And so they thought their offensive line wasn't trash. Yeah, and it is. And they are. And Chris Ballard's terrible. At picking quarterbacks. he's Him and John Elway should go to, like, the Hall of Shame for picking quarterbacks. I'm with you on Elway. It's one of these things where the guy is so good as the player, and then you put him in the front office and go, just pick a guy like you, and they struggle forever. All right, Brock back. Osweiler. <laughs> back to the Jags. Uh, thankfully, it doesn't appear the Jags have a quarterback issue. Like, we're not talking about that the last couple weeks. That's no, quite the opposite. No, it's very much the opposite. It's like he's they, the one that's not the issue. And they can't get after the other quarterback. Yeah. That's an issue. The defense is now under some scrutiny, mm. right? Uh, Deservedly Doug, so. Doug Peterson's under some scrutiny. And I think for the first time, this coaching staff is under some scrutiny. And I think this one was on them overall. I really do. I think this one was on them. I, I think, listen, I said this this morning. I'm going to repeat myself. And I believe players are the most important part of it. I think it's a players league. I think there are some fantastic coaching jobs that get done. I think we're seeing it this year. I mean, again, Pete Carroll, look at the job he's doing, right? Dable, we just watched him. He's doing. I think Peterson is doing overall a very good job given what he was dealt and now where they are from a culture standpoint and being from an offensive ability to actually function in today's NFL. Like, there's a lot of things to like. But he's costing them points with an aggressive style, and he doesn't know when to pull back, and he's not helping them cross the finish line. That's what I talked a lot about this morning with Casey on Monday Morning Madness. I think you've got to, as a coach, when you know that a team is not making the key plays to win and they're struggling a little bit, you've got to kind of help pull them along. Doug knows how to win. 
Mike Caldwell knows how to win. These guys have Super Bowls. They've won a lot of football games. They, this team needs to be yanked across the finish line right now. I mean, Travis Etienne can't get the ball to the goal line to put the game away. Can't put the and ball anywhere. You can't get fourth in inches even though you're running around all over the football field for 7, 8, 12 yards a clip all so, afternoon long. But give me an example of Doug pulling him across the finish line that I could understand. Well, because on fourth down and one, when you're at the 20 and you're up by four points and you know the New York Giants play every game tight. Mm -hmm. And what have they done? They've actually won and you've lost in those games. Like, we knew that going in. Everybody thought, may not have been my house on the line for everybody, but everybody thought That's that this game would be close in the fourth quarter. And would the Jags be able to win a close game late? Well, the trend said absolutely not, and the trend said absolutely the Giants will. So save your team a little bit and kick the field goal to at least give yourself the cushion of seven points. You're putting it on the field goal versus oh, the fourth absolutely. down. Oh, okay. absolutely, yes. I mean, you tried on third down, you didn't get it done. You were discombobulated after second down, you didn't get it done. You already burned two timeouts in the second half. You didn't get it done. Okay, how many more chances do you want? So you try a QB sneak for the 400th time in the, in the game, and they stack it so much that, yeah, no chance. Like, yeah. they knew it was coming. Like, I think Doug outcoaches a lot. He got outcoached there, or he outcoached himself, and he didn't help his team across the finish line. It's totally different game if it's 20 to 13. Potentially. They could still lose. There was plenty of time to go. Yeah, they could have. But I think you got to take what's there, and I said it yesterday morning. Doug and Trevor, when there are points there to be had, so this isn't a hindsight thing for me. When there are points there to be had against the Giants, you needed to take them. Who cares if you stall in the red zone? Take the points. If it's third down and eight, don't get a sack that forces you out of field goal range. Don't get an intentional grounding. Get the points. Yep. Doug chose, I don't care about the points. And it's the fifth time in the last four games, three, four games, that he's chosen not to get the points. And it's hurting the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. And and he's, that's why I think it's a little on him. Some of the disorganization, a little on him. Some of the defense, the way that's going, a little on them. It's on this. That was a sideline game for me a little bit, and I love what those guys are doing. But can't help but be a little critical of them here on a Monday. We'll be back, Brent and friends. Maurice Jones Drew coming up on ESPN 690. I mean, there's there's a lot of lot of scenarios you know that could that could play into that. Um, there was a lot of time you know left. Um, I took in consideration how we were moving the ball offensively. Uh, quite frankly, um, and and so you know, felt good about going for it in that situation. Of course, he did. <laughs> Listen, I, I like again. I, I say this with, quite frankly, a lot of admiration for what Doug Peterson has done so far, and I don't mind his style, and I get his style. You kind of argue who you are, but you also have to know when. And it's now five times since the Philly game. And there are different circumstances. The Philly game, it was wet, it was rainy, it was nasty. You were with the wind, though, if I'm not mistaken, in this situation. It would have been like a 48-49-yard field goal. They go for it, they don't get it. Then you have the Houston game. They go for it twice on like the 36-37 yard line. So it would have been a 54-ish yard field goal. And they don't get it. And then last week in Indianapolis, they do like a sprint option on fourth and one instead yeah. of kick like the 48-yard field goal. 
I'm not sure. I can't even remember now. It's been so like how much that would have changed, but they left points on the board. You're inside. Like you're making a 48-yard field goal, right? I think that was just more bad play call at the time, but he didn't do it. And then yesterday, and again, you had a chance to stretch it. That's significant when you stretch to a touchdown lead now instead yeah. of four points. And I will couple it with this. Brian Dable had already made a big mistake. For some reason, he went for it inside the five instead of kicking the field goal to make it a one-point game. Well, that I think he just, saw, he just knew Doug wasn't kicking a field goal this century, so <laughs> yeah, he had opportunities to go for it whenever he wanted. So, again, in real time, do I see why Doug went for it all those times? Yeah, because it's his style, and you're moving the ball. Well, we're going to talk about this a little bit later. But they're like one of the worst teams in the NFL now at third and fourth and one to go. I don't know why that is, because they're pretty damn good at, like, second and 15. <laughs> but they can't get a yard when they need a yard. And they're one of the worst teams, so I think you have to take that into account. All right, let's bring in Maurice Jones-Drew. Maybe we can bring him back in to get that yard on third down and fourth down. Come on, you got a couple more in you? You got a couple of inches? That's all we needed, Maurice Jones-Drew. You know what, Brent? That I, first and foremost, they have guys on this roster to do it, and I think a lot of times we try to we overcomplicate what it should be. Um, and when watching this game, it was like there were so many different scenarios and situations that the Jags could have taken over uh, the game and kind of just blown them away that they didn't do it. And, and I understand what people are saying, you know, don't go for a fourth to one. I was okay with that call. I'm okay with being aggressive in that situation. But ETN is not your short yardage goal line back. And that's where I get a little uh, confused with is that, you still have to coach the situational football, right? You have to be masters of the situation. You have to have the personnel for the situation. I understand James Robinson is dealing with a little knee, whatever it may be. Then run the read option and let Trevor have the choice to decide to get the yard or to give it to ETN. But have some different plays. That was just a pure handoff, and we're like, we're just going to be more powerful than you guys. And their offensive line is not built that way. And so I personally feel like there's a lot of situations that in the course of this game, that could have changed. Now, I understand. I saw you on uh, Twitter talking to Uche, and I understand that the Jags are going with ETM. That is completely fine. Um, but there are scenarios and there are situations for James Robinson to come in, like on the goal line or being a short yardage back or whatever it may be, to give the ETN a spell and still have an explosive, powerful guy to help continue to move the change. You don't always have to throw the ball down the field. You don't always have to do these things your team is trying to learn how to win, and you guys are losing in the situations, and it's, it's very frustrating, I think, for everyone. Hey, Maurice Jones-Rue brought up Uche Winery, former Jags player, of course, and he jumped in on social media today. I had a comment yesterday about this James Robinson situation is not going away, and it's not. I mean, it's, it's a big story right here, and we'll talk more about that. But Uche said he literally was a difference in the New York Giants game. His lack of true running back pedigree is why he fumbled in the end zone. He's reckless with ball security. Shelving JR, I mean, James Robinson, will bite the Jags in the – you know what, in a big way, and they will deserve it. And I said, I like the conversation, but hard time saying he's not a running back. By trade, he ran for 5,000 yards in college. But he did have some stretches where he fumbled the football also in college. And then Uche, one more just to read and catch everybody up. College football is not the NFL. Being a running back in college versus the NFL is not the same. He's a hybrid. He's not a true back. I can see that because I know I blocked for one of the best in his era. Is he talking about you? No, he must be talking about Fred. Uh, no, I, I, I will say this. I, I think Luce does have a point. A lot of backs in the National Football League, i.e. Antonio Gibson or Kenneth Gainwell or even Daryl Henderson, that come out of these spread sets. 
um, like ETN, they don't know how to get the tough yard because everything is, you know, read option. You're just trying to hit the hole quick. And I understand that's what Doug is trying to go to as well. But the National Football League will always be the National Football League. And there's two things about the National Football League that's completely different than college. One, the situations are different, right? And everyone has to be – everyone has to understand how we're trying to attack each situation. And two, ball security. In college, a lot of people don't attack the football, right? They, they, they tackle you. Literally, if you watch the Cleveland Browns versus the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Jeremiah Wusu Kormore didn't even try to tackle uh, Justice Hill from the Baltimore Ravens. He just punched at the ball, and the ball came flying out. And so ball security has to be much more emphasized, and I, I know it is, but you have to really emphasize it a ton to with young guys that haven't played because they're so used to just carrying the ball and just breaking big runs. And so Uche has a point there for sure. Now, I wouldn't say he's just not a running back. I think losing last year uh, definitely hurts stunned his growth a little bit, but you see the explosiveness and the explosive nature of his game. And even with those explosive runs, you still see the ball carried out wide and there's a lot of air between his body and the ball. So they're going to have to try to correct that. Otherwise, you'll have more fumbles uh, with ETN. So, Mojo, if I could dial in on what you're saying, are you saying that Travis ETN's being overused or that we're just not using James Robinson the way we should, period? I'm The second. I'm saying you're not using James Robinson the way he should be. I don't... I don't Travis Etienne is a very explosive player, and I see why they, they want to get him the ball. Understandably so. You have two backs, though. Go to a two-back system. Doug Peterson is known for a, a running back by committee in Philadelphia. That's what he was known for. Um, and so I'm, I'm, it, it struggles with me to, to see his change in philosophy. And I, I don't understand why they're doing it, but when you have two guys that can go, you run those two guys because, as we always knew, when I was there with Fred, as I got there, Fred's career – but his play lasted longer. He wasn't just a guy to go all the time, right? As we got later in the in the season, we were able to run for multiple yards because I was taking a lot of uh, I was taking a lot of reps from him so that he could be fresh come November, December. And if you're expected, and if you're expected to play great football down the stretch, you have to win close games like this. And I I, I personally feel like the lack of usage or lack thereof of usage of James Robinson not getting a a touch is why you lost this game. And there were, there were a ton of situations where he could have got a series or he could have got a play or two here or there, whatever it might have been, that would have helped this team be successful. you got to utilize and Brent, we talked about this, putting your players in position to be successful, right? And that Doug Peterson did that the first couple weeks. Um, as of late, it's, that's, not, that's not happening. And so I'm starting to kind of wonder, like, what's going on and, again, I don't want to question. I don't want to question. But when you lose three straight and you lose in the way the Jags have, it's like, what's going on? Yeah, and I don't right? – Hasty had a big – Yeah, go ahead. Didn't Hasty have a big run last – Hasty had a 60-yard run last week. He did. Right? Yeah. Why was he not getting a touch? Well, he did, actually. Some type of touches. He did a couple, but even before James Robinson, I think that's what caught everybody's attention. I mean, the snap count was so low for James Mojo. It was like 12. And he got one target. He had a run that was called back because of a penalty, and that's it. I mean, it's his lowest production, like, ever in his life. Like, he's never played a football game with that low of production. And, but Hasty right. was and actually in there more than, than uh, at times, at least early in the game, or first or early, which was really surprising to all of us watching. Well, yeah, as I was watching the game, again, I was watching the Jags plus a couple other games as well. It was just, you know, when you'd, when you'd watch them and you're seeing it, like, yeah, I, I, just, I don't know if, if he's hurt or whatever it may be. I know Doug came out and said he's dealing with some knee soreness. Whatever it may be, that's fine. 
but you can't put the load on ETN right now. You can't just run him constantly. You have to give him breaks. Um, the same way running the football gives a quarterback's breaks, right? As they, they're not getting exposed to different coverages and the ability to get hit and sacked. And so you want to find ways to continue to spread the ball around to give breaks so that when you do get in the fourth quarter, guys are fresh and ready to go and they can get those tough yards. They can get those tough plays. And with all that being said, you still dialed up a great play to get into the end zone, right? And had was an inch away from getting into the end zone. And so it's, you know, that's the game. That's, that's football. That's the National Football League. Two or three plays are going to determine the outcome of the game every time. And those fourth downs, those going for it, uh, you know, not converting in certain situations, uh, some of those three and outs that they were having, those are plays that, those are plays in series that, that come back to bite you in the end. Mauricio Drew with us always on Mondays, uh, Mojo on Mondays, and uh, boy, appropriate time just to be talking about the running back situation, the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a big story around here. James Robinson was the story of last year, kind of in a microcosm of everything that was happening. It was the drama point, in my opinion, with Urban Meyer. But Urban Meyer didn't like him as a back, as a player in the NFL. I mean, that was crystal clear. Not didn't like him. Everybody loves James, you know. And this fan base really appreciates James Robinson for what he is, what he's done, his story and the rest, but Urban didn't like him from a style standpoint, and I think Maurice Jones-Drew, it was because of his lack of speed. He's not a burner. He's not a blazer in today's fast NFL. Well, Doug Peterson, I don't, didn't feel that way. I thought he did a good job and of in camp and got him healthy and then was using him early on, And but we saw a shift now a couple weeks ago to Travis Etienne, and now we're seeing, whether it's injury-based or falling out of favor, like, why don't coaches like James Robinson like we all do? <laughs> Is it strictly speed or lack thereof? Well, I think I think a lot of coaches, you know, as a guy that's coaching now, speed, I used to always hear a coach say, you can't coach speed, right? If I can give a guy a ball and he can take it 90 yards to the house, that makes my job a lot easier. Understandably so, I get that point. But I also believe that, you got to have different styles of runners in your running back room the same way you want to have different body types of receivers in your receiver room, right? So do I want all burners as running backs? No. I want guys that are going to give me the tough two or three, four yards. I want guys that can go into a four-minute mode and we just roll the clock out. I want guys also I can throw the ball in the backfield and have explosive plays or guys that can line up a wide receiver. Or You want to you wanna to have a different variety excuse me, of styles uh, in your running back room. And so right now, it seems like a lot of these teams that you're starting to look at, they all want the same style back. I mean, I, I work for the Rams. They all want the same style back. And the problem is what comes with the same style back is the teams can prepare for the same style of run plays. They can prepare for the same style of different the way you utilize them. And so to me, having different style guys to do different things will always be harder on a defense. It'll force them to have to learn more, practice more, different plays, different things. And so right now I just think you're right. It's just maybe James doesn't have the speed that they, they think he has or the ability, but I just saw him break off a 50-60 yarder against the, the Chargers in week two. Like It makes no sense to me. Does any of this, do you think, guys, have to do with the fact that you have such a talented passer in a Trevor Lawrence that you're trying to spread around who's handling the ball to a degree where you go, all right, we've got roughly 12 to 20 uh, carrier attempts between ETN and Robinson. How are we going to split that with ETN being so dynamic and Robinson really needing to pound and pound and pound 
before he can break through for bigger yardage. It just seems every time I look at the Jaguars, whether I think they should be passing or running, they're passing. Period. Like it's yeah. Go ahead, Mojo. I mean, I, I think that's where the money is, right? Obviously, your your draft capital, your you know your big price, high price for your agent is there. Um, and even with all that being said, you still we're, we're here to win games. We're not here to to justify why we pay people or why we drafted people. We're here to win games, and I think the Jags are doing their best in trying to win games. It's just sometimes we get into situations and we see things, right? But I remember, I remember being there with Dirk Cutter, and I, I remember in 2008, Brent, you probably were one of the reporters I was, like, venting to at the time. But we weren't built to throw the ball 40 times a game. But that's what we wanted to do because we were seeing eight-man boxes every week. And we were guys were playing press man. I was like, but that's not what our team is. Our team is not that. If you draft and you add free agents for our team to do that, okay, cool, we could do it. But right now, that's not who we are. And so we shouldn't. We shouldn't start doing things because we see, oh, well, they're playing a loaded box and they we got one-on-one covers on the outside. Like, so what? Be who you are. And 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 until the Jags start throwing for four four hundred yards a game like the Chiefs and all these other teams, you're a balanced offense. You have to be able to run the ball and throw the ball the same. You want to be as fifty-fifty as possible. And so, I think sometimes we just get caught up. And I, and I say we because again, as players and coaches, you get caught up in okay, well, they're doing this. We should be able to do that because it works on paper. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a big component in the Jimmy and Joes, and they had, they had a tremendous defense you're going against, and you guys are moving the ball up and down the field with ease until they got into these crucial situations where the, either the play wasn't executed the right way or it was a bad spot or whatever it might have been, and then it kind of got away from the Jags. Maurice Jones, you joining us right now on ESPN 690. Brent and Friends, Brent Martino, Aaron Schachter, Casey Kurtz, and Mojo. Let me ask you this. You mentioned getting to that balance with the wide receivers, the running backs, all that. And when I, when I watched the play at the end of the game, Christian Kirk, he's a yard short of getting in, right? And I go back to a conversation me and Brent had a lot of the summer. Is Christian Kirk a true number one receiver? Mojo, when you watch this guy play, do you think there's still a receiver short, a big play guy? Or will Christian Kirk get it done? Just got to give it more time. Well, I think when you look at a number one wide receiver, you're looking at, like, A.J. Brown, right? Devontae Adams, um, Cooper Cup, uh, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs. Those are your number one guys. I think Christian Kirk is a, um, a high number two guy that can make plays. But, the, uh, you know, the D-Hop, the, uh, the right? Like, the, those are guys that you know – when the ball is up, they're going to come down with it. And so the Jags don't have that guy. Um, and they're working towards it. And their roster and their receiving core is way better than it's been in a long time. But there's not many true number one wide receivers in the National Football League. And I want people to understand that those guys come few and far between. And when you have an opportunity to get those guys, you get, you get them and you keep them because there's not many of them. I, I think I named, what, six? Yeah. yeah. At this point, like, there's not many just number one wide receivers that you can throw the ball to. If they're getting covered by the best DB and a safety or top, and they're still going to come down with it. You don't get – you don't. those guys don't come around. And so you have to build a system that is able to kind of show showcase the, the other receiver's ability until you get that guy. And then when you get that guy, you got to make sure your system is built to get him the ball as much as possible. Maurice, uh, go back to James' situation as it looks at the entire 
locker room. Because, again, last year there was a lot going on, man. And everybody rallied around James in that locker room. In fact, they went to talk to the coach about him, like guys like Trevor Lawrence and others, and they said, what are we doing here? You know, and Trevor got him back in the game at one point. Uh, so it's not that situation. There's a lot of respect for Doug Peterson in that locker room. This is a locker room that I think is pretty mature overall. Uh, it's also a group that they brought in guys like Christian Kirk to be able to handle situations that if you did go through a four-game slide or something like that, that it wasn't going to splinter. But how does this get handled in the locker room? I understand. I mean, listen, ETN has taken – it must be even a difficult spot for him. He's, he's the guy now. And that's going to be an interesting transition with the guy that you're always next to in drills and in the room. And then from James's standpoint, does he have to just go talk to the coaches? Does he talk to his running backs coach? Like, what happens there? You got to win, Brent. I think that's the biggest thing. <laughs> yeah. You got to win. At the end of the day, like, we're questioning all these things because of Jags law. True. If the Jags won, we wouldn't be questioning anything. We'd be like, well, ETN's the guy, and we got to go out there. Like, you have to win. And until you win... People are going to question everything you do because of the history of this organization. And so, yeah, you have playmakers and guys that are going around. And if this recipe for that you built up and you created to go against the Giants, if it didn't work, you need to go. You need to tweak it and figure out another way to try to find a way to get a victory. Winning is what solves everything. As soon as you win, then you're like, okay, we got what we're looking for. Let's try to replicate this again. That's the whole. That's all the NFL is. Let's replicate whatever recipe of success that we have for this week, let's try to replicate it week after week after week. And so until they win, we're going to keep questioning everything. I mean, that's just who we are as people. That's, that's our job titles. And right now this topic, the week's topic is why wasn't James Robinson part of this recipe for success? He's been one of your better runners over the last couple of years, uh, you know, and he continues to still showcase his abilities out there. Maybe he is a little banged up and that's okay. But that needs to be come out and be said. You just don't go out there and not play a guy or give him one one carry or one, you know, like, and expect people to be like, you know, especially if a guy off an undrafted guy rushes for 1,000 yards and lead, it was the best player on the team a couple of years ago, that doesn't just fall off a cliff in, in, in two years. You know what I mean? And so they, as coaching staff and as players, they need to find a way to figure out to get a victory. And once you get a victory, then you've got to try to replicate that. And so to me – it's it's not necessarily you know just this, this style didn't work this week. So whatever you're you're doing, try to tweak it for next week, and hopefully you get a victory in London against the Broncos team against a really good Broncos defense. Offense is horrible, right? And so they have some weapons on the outside. We don't know if Russell Wilson's going to play or none of those other things. But you got to find a way to to get a victory. And once you get a victory, I think you'll start to see everybody settle down, calm down, and you'll kind of get in the groove. This might be extreme with Maurice Jones-Drew here, but I'm making you James Robinson's agent right now. You got trade deadline coming up next Tuesday. You going in and saying, hey, start poking around? I might be a better fit somewhere else. (laughs) Give the check. Get Elijah Moore coming in. Get James Robinson. Because it's a perfect fantasy football trade right there. Yeah, I I mean, I don't – if you're – obviously, if you're the agent, you're definitely going to talk to to, uh, Trent Balky and Doug Peterson and see what's going on, what's in the future – what future do you have for James? And if you have one, awesome. Let's like start working towards it. If you don't, let's move forward so he can get some opportunities there. So if I'm the AD, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out and do a little due diligence and figure it out. But if I'm the Jags, I'm not trading him. Why would you trade him? He's been so successful for you. Um, and, and to be honest, he'll be a free agent next year, anyways. I mean, maybe you may get something for him, but like, are you giving up on the season? I feel like if you trade him, you're not giving yourself the best chance to win, win, and, and get into a 
possible playoff spot because the division's not playing that well. As we know, Matt Ryan just got bit. So you have a chance to kind of make some run here if you're able to turn some things around, and I think Jam should be a part of that. You know, I don't know what goes on in that locker room. Obviously, I'm not in there, and it's been well-documented, the difference between the Peterson regime and the Urban Meyer regime. But now you're talking about two years in a row where you've got a James Robinson issue happening behind closed doors, and we don't really have all the information behind it. Now, I know, Brent, a lot of that last year kind of leaked out a little to the press, but we didn't get the full story except for the fact that we knew the players were kind of going up to coaches and, and trying to rectify the situation along with James. But is it possible there's a personnel issue here and the Jags can't necessarily handle it on the field? It could be. I mean, it could be that they just don't like James Robinson's style. I mean, it doesn't fit what they believe to be their system. But I believe that you can't continue to get rid of talented players in Jacksonville. How many times do we have to go through this? We got You got rid of Jalen Ramsey. You got rid of Fowler. You got rid of this guy. You got rid of that guy. You let Calais Campbell go, who's still playing. I mean, Fournette. everyone's getting like Fournette. I mean, are we going to continue to let, just, uh, let talented players go and go ball out for other teams? And then be like, well, they weren't good here because they were a distraction or they, they had a horrible attitude. Like, no, he's a talented player. Talent wins in the National Football League. I've never seen a talented team not win in the National Football League. I've seen untalented teams lose in the National Football League. I've seen them lose a lot. So you got to find a way to continue to keep your talent and utilize your talent and put them in position to be successful. Yeah, that's a good point. Maurice Jones-Drew with us. All right, let's get off the Jags for a moment. How about the rest of this league, man? It's really weird. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, are they – I don't want to. I mean, not done, but like they're not a threat right now. Like, that's weird, isn't it? Uh, I think for Aaron's a little bit more explainable because He's got no help. You have, you know, you have no help. Literally, like they they told Aaron Rodgers, like we're just going to build this defense. We're not going to draft you. No type of talent receiver, and we're and then we're going to let our best player, our best receiver, opposite of you, pull an offense go, and we're going to replace him with a bunch of rookies and it's like well that's gonna take time and then we're gonna act surprised at the end of the year when you want to leave because <laughs> you know that's <laughs> exactly, coming too <laughs> right you know that's coming and then so that that's something different I, I think they need to run the ball a little bit more I really believe their offense needs to go through their running backs and, and and what that does is simplifies a lot of things for your young receivers on the outside right it doesn't force them to have to run the perfect route every time it doesn't force them to have to do all these read the coverage every time it forces them to it forces you as a coach to kind of simplify your offense, as you heard Aaron say, simplify the offense, allow them to be great at five things instead of 15 or 20 things. The Buccaneers, I think they just have – they just have – it's just a lot going on, right? Obviously, Tom's situation is a lot different with all these reports that are coming out. Uh, a bunch of offensive linemen are hurt. They're not even trying to run the ball. And it's just there's just a lot going on defensively. They've been on the field way too much. People try to blend the defense. They've been on the field, I don't know the percentage, but I know it's pretty high with the number of snaps they've taken. And as we all know, the more defense is on the field, the more susceptible they are to big plays and different things because they get worn down. And so uh, they got to figure it out. And it's not going to be blaming the fingers. It's not going to be, and I think Tom said it best, it's like every, each man has to look in the mirror. Again, because, you know, I, I've, I've been a part of it. can't point the finger. You got to look at each other and say, am I doing my best? To put us in situations, you know, to help our team be successful or to help our team win games, or am I giving it my all, or am I am I overthinking it? Am I is it too tough? Like whatever it may be, 
And it just seems like right now that they're just not even on the same page or let alone the same chapter of whatever book they're reading. I've always wondered, by the way, when you do that, like when you lead the league in rushing that year and you ask that question, can I do more? And you'd be like, well, yeah, I am kind of doing my job. I wish everybody else would pick their ass up. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, there's a, there was a lot more I could have done in that situation, man. Come on. As I've gotten older, production production on the field was definitely I, – I, I felt like I could have been a better leader in the end on some of those teams where, you know, I was young, I was trying my best, but as I've gotten older – you know, sometimes it's not as much as being a vocal leader, but being a you're showing guys how to be the best they can be, right? Taking some time out of my day to show them what practice, how practice should look, right? Instead of assuming that they already know what practice should look like. And, I, and again, I, I go back and forth about a lot of those things all the time because we did have a talent. We had a young team, but we had a very talented team, and, and we just didn't really put it all together. Now, I, I hate to see the Jags doing the same thing over and over again, because they were way more talented than what we were when, we were when I was there uh, for a lot of those years. And to see them, and again, this is why it's so frustrating to see them not using, utilizing their players. And you see that a lot around the league, too. So it's not just in Jacksonville. It, it just so happens that the Giants are actually, like, maximizing talent like crazy. Like, I, I've never seen anything like this. Their whole receiving core is done, yet they find a way to win, mm-hmm. right? Um, or, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, they're winning with, with Geno Smith, who, you know, has been a, a perennial backup, but the way they coach, the way they play, and the way they're doing things, they're maximizing their players' ability. Mojo, it's, uh, it's exactly what I wanted to ask you. The NFC West, they've scored the most points in the division in Seattle, and they're in first place. Are they truly the best team out there, do you think? <laughs> well, I don't know, man. The Niners just got Christian McCaffrey, and I know they played the Chiefs and got kind of rolled out of the, you know, ran out of the stadium, but the Niners are really good. Um if you look at what the Rams, the Rams are dealing with a ton of injuries. They're trying to get guys back. They have their own issue with a with a Cam Akers that they're trying to deal with as well. Um, and the Cardinals, they're, they're, like, funny. Like, sometimes the Cardinals will play really well, and sometimes you're just like, who is this team? So it seems like Seattle's the most consistent team right now. And, and obviously, know in the National Football League, consistency is the key to success. And so as long as they stay consistent in what they're doing, playing really good defense, special teams are not hurting them, and they're running the ball really well. As we saw Kenneth Walker rush for, what, 170? Yeah. Two touchdowns. Like, it's amazing. And Geno Smith isn't turning the ball over. They're, they're, they're continuing to find ways to win. And they're doing it with a line that is, like, beat up. And so they'll continue to find ways. And, you know, again, that comes down to Pete Carroll and his staff doing a really, a really awesome job of sticking to their game plan week in and week out and not, like, deterring from what they've had in OTAs. And it's playing as panning out for them. I'm Maurice Jones, sure. All right, we're letting you go. Give us an update. Did you get a W on Friday night or what? Yeah, we finally got a W Friday night. We're, we're getting back into it. We got two more games to the playoffs with the high school team, and then we'll see if we can make a run to our state game. Uh, little kids, we won 57-0. to uh, <laughs> Your weekly deuce update, he had one carry, 60 yards, one touchdown. So, Dang. What? Uh, what, do you bet yeah. you? Who is he, James Robinson? There you go. One so, carry? No, Sounds like man, Brees Hall before the injury. No, 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 guys. We're 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 trying to get everyone better, oh. right? That's the thing. It's youth football. We're everyone's getting reps. We're all getting better. We're into the playoffs now. We're the one seed. So okay. uh, next week, hopefully, I have a better a better stat for you for my guy. Bit of a bit of a flex for Mojo. That's a nice way of saying they t- they did a good job and let everybody play. And they yeah. they were the superior team. That's a good good job by you guys. They Mojo. were up by forty, so they sat some kids and let the other kids. That's play. a good work. Yeah. All, right. All right, good luck this week. Uh, appreciate the time and good stuff on the running back situation here in Jacksonville. Have a great week.
All right, see you guys later. See All right, you. that's Maurice Jones-Drew. Joins us for Mojo on Mondays, and uh, terrific stuff on... Uh, you know, he had texted me, and he said, and not putting these guys in position, he believes that. He believes, and he said it. He, he said across the NFL, you see it a bunch. I also think you do see it a bunch. I didn't look at, I, I guess just to go back to what he said about his guys in position to make the plays that they need to be make or maximize their potential. I, I guess I haven't really seen that as much in Jacksonville. Like, I don't feel that's been a Doug problem. I think they're maximizing a lot of that roster for much of the game. I think a lot of the bonehead plays, I'm not sure that comes from the coaches. You know, they're not coaching some right. of the boneheaded plays. But I think specifically, Mojo's talking about the James Robinson situation. Yes. If you're struggling in these short yardage situations, well, that's a guy that has over time been good. Now, I said this this morning on Monday Morning Madness. That stat boy gave us a stat, and he said this year, James is like worse than the NFL out of qualified running backs in negative or zero runs, which is surprising. It shocked me because he was he's not that guy over the two years in Jacksonville. He's a fall-forward guy. But this year he has been in the negative run. You have to wonder if the injury stuff is a thing, if he's playing. Or, there were murmurs that he might be trying to play through some stuff even a couple weeks ago. Mm. Um, but nothing on the injury report. He wasn't missing time. Maybe it's a fatigue thing well, coming off, coming the, off the Achilles. That's a significant injury. And so maybe there's some stress on other parts of his legs and body because he was trying to get back so quickly that are hurting but not hurting enough to land like completely out of the game and, and not dress that day. You know what I mean? Maybe so, the offensive line is partly to blame. It's a bit of reconfigured since the last time he was out there on a consistent basis last season. Yeah, and I think this guy, I think one thing has played out a little bit. I, I tweeted this today because I saw Dan Orlovsky, Dan Keys to the city, Orlovsky, share a video. And they went in the power run set a lot for the Giants did against this defensive front. And I told you this against Philly. And I knew they were just more physical up front probably anyway. Yeah. But I think it's played out in some games. Even Houston a little bit. Pushed them around in short yard situations. Out. I think they are they are winning the battle at the line of scrimmage against this defense at times. Not, I mean, they're not completely manhandling them. But when they need five, six yards, they can get five, six yards. That's showing up over the last month. And you wonder on the other side of the ball, the Jags are doing a good job in protection. No sacks and 43 dropbacks. Really good. Yeah, Lawrence looked great at the beginning. A lot of the runs are open. You know, some big, so they're not doing a poor job in run blocking. But when it's time to get a yard, can you be better than that other side? The Jags have misfired on that a few times now. And that's why some of these fourth and ones and third and ones have come up short. Sometimes you're just not great in that situation. Can James Robinson make you better in that spot? I think that's what Maurice is trying to say. I think Uche is trying to say it. I think people are trying to say it. That's his style. If you don't block it, he might still get the half a yard for you. Travis Etienne, probably not. He's going to try to fight his way through it. And he's more powerful than people give him credit for, but he's a different back in that sense. And I fully understand what people are saying there. Well, he's super quick. You don't even have a chance to put a hand on him as he's running through. But I think this, I tried to say this from Doug's perspective. Doug wants to be creative. He wants motion involved. He wants all this stuff. He wants you to think about things as a defense. Well, if James Robinson is in the game, he's no threat to be on the outside Mm -hmm. in a situation. Travis Etienne is. So Travis Etienne can go outside. You can run the pitch. You can run a toss. You can run up the middle. So Doug's probably thinking, listen, I'm telling you what we're running. If I sit there and put James Robinson back there, 
It's interesting you say that because I do remember early in the season, they were throwing to Robinson a little bit, a little more than I had expected. Yeah, they did against Washington especially. And I was like, huh, that's an interesting little uh, nook or cranny into the, the Peterson playbook. But maybe it was just a matter of the the script they want the team to play and, and the personnel wasn't ready yet, if you remember, it was ETN's first game essentially. Uh, but I'm going to go back and take a look at those numbers and how they've waned off because you're right. Because they do an awful lot of throwing, a lot of those throws are going to the running back, and it's just not James's back. One more. Uche, by the way, who played offensive line for a long time here in Jacksonville and has been vocal on this topic today on social media with us. Uh, he said, ETN can be a game-breaker for the Jags. I believe it happens by using him in a number of situations. He's versatile. There's a way to get most out of that. But to just sweep James Robinson out of the game plan just does not make sense. And I think that's what these guys are trying to say. Uh, and he does seem like he's out of the mix. As of now, he wasn't even in the mix early in the game. So it's not like the injury. You can't just point to the injury when he got up slow off the one carry because that didn't even come until like the second quarter. Is it a carry count for you or is it something else? Honestly, at this stage, I can't argue with ETN being in the game. He's averaging 6.1 yards a touch. Yeah. He's electric. Yeah. ETN's been fantastic. But I wouldn't mind seeing James Robinson get the ball near the goal line. Get the ball in short yardage situations. So it's a now, usage thing. If he doesn't do it well, then Doug wins. But I don't see the harm in letting that guy try to go get the yard because Doug ain't been that good on third and one and fourth and one right now. Yeah. So let the other guy try to do it. That's what I would suggest. <laughs> we'll be back. We have Rasheen Mathis joining us. Mathis on Mondays as well. That's next on ESPN 690. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.